So um, we're in the Ambassador series, and um, this series we're going to be studying 2 Corinthians chapter 2 all the way through 6. We're going to be on chapter 3 today. But, you know, when you start thinking about it, I, I love the word ambassador. You know, when we get saved, when we ask the Lord to come into our lives, we get a name change. Um, most of us um, would identify ourselves as a Christian, am I right? You know, most of us was like, I am a Christian, right? So what that is, is I'm identifying myself in Christ. Um, there are many names that a Christian will go by, a follower of Jesus Christ, a believer, a disciple. One of my favorites is this word, ambassador. And here's what the word ambassador means. It's an accredited diplomat sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. So an ambassador is somebody who represents one country going to another country as an official representative. This person represents and promotes that country. So if I'm going to look at this and say, well, how does that fit in for me? I think it's best said in Philippians 3.20. Our citizenship is in heaven. You see, I think a lot of times we forget God first, right? God first. So if, if God is first, what kingdom is first? His. Where's his kingdom? Heaven. The kingdom of heaven will be like. You know how many times Jesus taught that? The kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven will be like. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And what did Jesus come preaching? The kingdom of heaven is near. You see, there is a kingdom, and, and, and it, is, it is coming. It's going to be here. And so here's the thing. My citizenship is first in heaven. Now, I, I'm proud to be an American, but I'm first I am first a citizen of heaven. That's my first citizenship. I really hope that that's something that we can, that we can really apply. So if, if that is true for each one of you, to me, God first, America can come second. And actually my, my wife and kids and then, you know, that's, that's down the road. So here's the deal. First God and his kingdom for me. So if I'm a citizen then I am, am, I am a, because I'm a Christian, because I became a child of God, I am an ambassador for that kingdom. If you are saved, hear me, if you are saved, if you have accepted Jesus Christ, you're born again, you're a child of God, you are a Christian, you would call yourself a Christian, then here's the deal, you are then an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Now, the, the question might come, how good of a representative? That, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But I want you to understand, is that if you are born again, if you are saved, you're, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. All right? That's, that's why I think this series is so important. So today, um, the sermon title is Confidence of Competence. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're going to look at the whole chapter. We're going to go verse by verse. I'm not going to stay. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to truck along. We'll pick up a lot of pace towards the end. And, I mean, it looks like I have an entire hour to preach. So, I mean, thank you, worship team, for giving me ample time. Just kidding. I don't have all of that time. Um, but um, let's start. Let's, let's get started. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, here's Paul, and this is what Paul's saying. Now, remember, Paul's writing a letter to the Corinthians. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? 
Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? I always love when I see these types of things because all of a sudden my, my brain starts thinking and I'm like, ooh, I wonder what's going on here because I'm, I'm a person who loves to dig into context. Like what is going on? Why would Paul write this out? Why does he feel necessary to write this verse? Because think about it. He's writing a letter to this church. And, and so he took the time to write this very verse. This verse is, was included on purpose. So there is a reason. So I'm sitting here going, "Woo." I mean, there's something, when you read this verse, you guys, how many of you think there's something going on? Like, that's one of those verses like, huh, do I, uh, I anticipate a little drama llama. You guys ever hear that before? The drama llama? In our office, we have a big tall llama over there, and if anybody comes in with a bunch of drama, we just make them hold the llama while they share the drama. (laughs) Take a little picture, put that on the drama llama clipboard there. Okay, so are we beginning to commend ourselves again? So Paul felt like he needed to commend himself before because this is an again. Did you see the word again? So he had to do it before and now he's having to tell them, do I have to do it again? So I had to do it before. Something's going on where I had to, to uh, commend myself before and now do I need to do it again? Mm. The word commend is to stand with or to recommend another. So he's basically saying, do I need to stand by my own ministry again? Do I need to recommend myself again? Because that's what Paul's saying is, do I need, do we, are we beginning to commend ourselves? Are we recommending ourselves? So if, some, if a church calls me up and say, hey, I recommend myself to come preach for you, wouldn't that be a little weird? Right? Like, hey, uh, I'm running. Do you recommend any preachers? Yeah, I recommend myself. I'll be right over. You know what I mean? Like, that's, but that's, that's what he's saying is I have to stand by my own ministry. And, and, and so, what I think, um, when we start looking at it, so the second thing that he says is a letter of recommendation. So, a letter of recommendation is, is a, a commendatory, it's, a, it's basically the same thing, recommending someone to another. So, he's like, do I need to stand by my own? Do I need to write a letter for myself? Or do I need to get you to write a letter for me? Or do I need to have a letter to come to you? I started thinking about all of this. The church is the, the, the church of Corinth there, there's something going on in that church where Paul's getting on to him. All of the, the first and second letter to the Corinthians is basically Paul is correcting a church that got off course. I mean Surely none of you have ever gotten off course. So if each one of us can get off course, then guess what we can be a part of? A church that gets off course. When you have enough people in a church that get off course, the church starts getting off course. Have you, you guys get what I'm saying? So the thing is, is because this building can't get off course, it can't move. I mean, unless it falls down. And then we, got a, we, we took the shortcut. You know what I'm saying? If it, anyways, so, so, so here's the deal. Um, he is in a church that he planted. He started that church. He started the church. Why would he need to be recommended by the church that he started? It would be like me, it would be like Living Water writing a letter of recommendation for me to be here. I started this church. So do I need the Living Water to recommend me to come back to Living Water? That's ridiculous. 
right? I mean, it sounds ridiculous coming out of my mouth. I hope that it sounds ridiculous to you as well. Or, hey, I need a letter from Living Water to recommend me to somewhere else. And I love how, how he's handling this. And so as we look at this, so, so he is, he is, he, this is, so this is the, the, the situation that's coming down. So the, the church of Corinth here is either one or the other. They're either wanting him to bring a letter of recommendation from another church recommending him to come to this church, or, he, or they're wanting to become his letter of recommendation as he goes to other churches. Either way, it's a slap in the face to his ministry. What, what they're doing is, is they're saying, hey, we want, we want to either be a part of being the lecker. We want, to, we want people to look, oh, wow, look at the church of Corinth. And look, oh, the church of Corinth recommends Paul. Or, hey, if you're going to come back here, we need you to get a letter of recommendation from Ephesus or from, from Macedonia. We need you to get a letter to come back or you don't get to be here. And I started thinking, what a slap in the face for the person who started that church. But I love how he answers his own question because he's asking, or do I need like some people? <laughs> do I need a letter of recommendation from you or for you? Then he says this, this is brilliant. You, yourselves, are our letter. I love how Paul answers his own question, but he comes with such strength and such straight, he's so straightforward. He says, you, yourselves, are our letter. You are written. So he's not like just sandblasting him, like giving him a, you know, a hook out of the corner, you know, a blindside. He's, he's like, you are our letter. We don't need a letter from you. You are the letter. You are written on our hearts and you are known and read by everyone. You see, Paul says, I don't need a piece of paper to tell other churches what I did because all they have to do is open their eyes and see what's happening. I, I often tell people, and this is something important, when, when you have lost people around you, lost people aren't reading their Bibles. They read you. Saved people read their Bibles. Saved people should be reading their Bibles. Let me say that. Saved people should be reading their Bibles. Lost people aren't reading their Bibles. They're reading you. Because you say that you're a Christian. Now they're watching you. What they know about a Christian, are you doing it or are you not? And what he's saying is, man, you are the letter. You are the letter. You are the recommendation. You are the proof. That what I've been doing is from God. I love it. He says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry. Isn't that neat? Written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. When I read this, I could probably just camp out on these verses right here all day long and tomorrow and the next day and the next day because here's the thing is what I'm hoping that you're going to see out of this is this he's writing to this church of Corinth but does this apply to you 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 show that you are the letter of Christ 
written not with ink. I don't, I don't need the letter of recommendation. You don't need a letter. You should not need to say, hey, pastor, I need a recommendation. Now, I, we live in a world that does this a lot, right? No differently than there, but here's the deal. If somebody says, hey, I need your pastor to write a recommendation that you're a Christian, you shouldn't need it because what's written about you has been written with the Spirit. People should look at you and be able to read and see for themselves that you are affirmed by God in your life, your actions, your decisions, how you carry yourself, how you raise your family, how your marriage, I mean, all areas of your life, people shouldn't have to have a letter of recommendation. They should see you and see that the Spirit is recommending you. Isn't that amazing? When I look at this, I'm like, wow, this is such a powerful thing that so many people are going to miss. Every one of you is an ambassador. Every one of you that has received Christ is that. And you, and, and I, I hope that our, our heart, I hope that our heart would, would show like, like our whole life, the things that we say, the things that we do, when you guys go to Walmart after this, or you guys go to the restaurant, or wherever the Lord, wherever you're carried after this, that when people see you, they can read Christ all over you. Wouldn't that be something? I just love written not with ink, but with the spirit of what? Not a dead God. The living God. Not on stone, tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. I, uh, when I started thinking about this, it brought to my, my attention um, a while back during the times of COVID, I had a, an individual show up at the church and had like this folder, walked straight up to me and opened this folder and handed me a... a um, um, a, a copy of their certificate of ordination. I'm an ordained minister. Oh, okay. And uh, here, and so I look at it, and, and they're like, well, I want to preach for you today. Uh, I don't know what your name is. You know, it's right there on the ordination. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Here, you can hold that. Hold that. I don't know you. How do I know, you know, just because you hand me a piece of paper that someone else out there recommends you, I don't know who you are. And the, at the end of the day, Pastor Paul always loves, loves to remind me, and I'm sure he's watching right now, going to say amen. He, he loves to remind me, he goes, you didn't let me preach a sermon for an entire year. You know, like, I didn't let him get up here for an entire year. I knew he was called by God, but I had to build a trust. I had to know, I got to know that, that I can trust with what you're going to say because ultimately at the end of the day, I'm going to stand before God on whatever's taught and done up here. I'm responsible for the worship team. So Cheyenne's responsible, but guess who's responsible above her? That's me. I'm the one that's going to stand before God on whatever's taught in the church in a Sunday school lesson to the children, every area. And there's some times I'm like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Nope, I'm sorry. We're not doing that. Nope, 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 nope. Because here's the thing is, is that I have to stand before God on that. And so just because somebody shows up with a piece of paper, here's the deal. 
I want to see it in your life. I want to see it, you know, hey, you show up. I, I've never seen you before. Where'd you come from? Like, I've ne- I don't even, are, do you go to this town? Do you live here? I mean, like, like, did you just like, does this actually work? Like, I mean, really, does it work? Like, just like, hey, I want to preach for you today. Oh, sure, yeah. Like, what are you going to say? Like, what are you going to talk about? Oh, I'm going to talk about the end of the world's coming. No. No, thank you. But that's, that's, that's what's happening in this story is, there, is people are coming with these letters of recommendation and the Corinth is kind of a free-for-all happening. And what I would hope is that this, that I wouldn't need to show up with a piece of paper, that I would be, my roots would be planted long enough for people to see it. I, always, I love the ideas of new ministries, and I love new possibilities, and I, I, love all, I, I love starting things, and I love seeing things happen. I love seeing things grow, but it's like, first, show me that you got roots. Show me that you know how to stay. Show me that you know how to dig deep when it's tough. Show me that you're going to be consistent. Show me that Christ is transforming your life. Then we can start talking about ministry. We like to jump straight into ministry without Showing that there is a result of ministry that's happened within us. So when you see this, I hope that every one of us walks away from this message saying, Wow, I want to be a letter of Christ. I want to be a walking letter of proof from Christ. I want the Holy Spirit to write all over me that he's recommending me, that he's commending me. So... In the next verse, verse 4, such confidence we have through Christ before God. I love this. So he, he, he says, hey, do I need to commend myself again? And then he comes and he goes, you are that letter of recommendation. But here he is, such confidence. So when we look at this word confidence, it, it comes from a Greek word and it means to trust in someone or to have an insurance in someone. So Paul's responding to a church that's attacking his ministry. They're attacking his credibility. They're attacking, ultimately, his competence. So a competence, is, 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 um, is, it means to have that, that, that confidence and that trust. So here we go. So I, I think I forgot that part of my note. Sorry. Um, so such confidence, I'm not supposed to get to the competence part. Got to slow down. Confidence first. He says, we have this confidence. So Paul is not just speaking for himself because he says, are we needing to commend ourselves again? We is plural. Now he says, such a confidence we have through Christ. He's saying, I don't need to go get this letter. I don't need to go do this thing. I don't need a letter from you, and I don't need a letter to you. You are the letter because you are the result of all that ministry that we have done. You are the result of the teaching that we've been teaching. You and what's happening inside of you, you are the result. Then he's saying this is the confidence we have in Christ. Our confidence doesn't come from a piece of paper. Our confidence comes from God. Do you have such a confidence in what God is doing in your life? Do we have that confidence? See, my confidence comes from God. And and one of the things that I love about Paul is he didn't get caught up in people's applause or in approval ratings. 
His confidence came from God, even when people weren't applauding. If you've ever thought about, do you, you, you realize that Paul's approval, um, approval rating in the church of Corinth was not high? Because he was the one correcting them. Has anybody ever came alongside you and said, I love you enough to tell you what you're doing is not good. This isn't right. This isn't a good place to be on. You're on the wrong road. Has, it, have, has anybody ever experienced any of that in your life, right? Somebody loves you enough to say, hey, you're on the wrong road, right? Hey, this isn't, this isn't. So what happens is a lot of times we don't like correction. So what happens is when we don't like correction, the approval rating of the corrector goes down. Paul was not always a popular guy because he was the one who was willing to put it out there. He was, the willing, he was willing to say, hey, stop this. This isn't out of God. So he says, my confidence in the ministry that God has given me comes from God. I have confidence in God, not from the approval ratings of man or the applause of man. Both of those can get you sideways real quick. If, if a church is running after applause, then whatever brings applause is the thing that you do and you begin to compromise. If you're looking for man's approval, then you can begin to compromise what God says to make sure that you have the approval of others. Paul says, I don't need either one of those. I just need my confidence that comes from God. In verse 5, he says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence. Don't miss that. He says our competence. He's fully saying that he's competent. But he also says my competence comes from God. Our competence comes from God. Well, what is competence? To have or be Enough. It's to have a high degree of sufficiency. To be competent means that you, are, you have a high degree of sufficiency. You're good. You can do it. You have enough to pull off the job. You are competent at the thing that you need. So he is saying, hey, I am competent, our competence, but he also recognizes that his competence comes from the Lord. So I want you to know something, though, is here's the deal is when we start dealing with competence, competence is the opposite spectrum of our fear. I remember going to a conference a while back and it was a conference for pastors and we were sitting there as pastors and they were talking about, you know, how many of you struggle with fear? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And then we started saying, well, what's your they, a question was asked, what's your greatest fear? I remember, and then they said, well, now you need to tell your neighbor, the guy sitting next to you, what your greatest fear is. I remember leaning over, and I said, my greatest fear is failure. I am afraid I will fail as a man. I'm afraid that I will fail as a husband. I'm afraid that I'm going to fail as a father. I'm afraid I'm going to fail as a pastor. I'm just afraid that I'm going to fail. And saying it out loud, because I kept it inside for so long, and I remember when I spoke that out loud, man, there's a lot of fear in there. And that fear can often cause us 
to not actually do what God has called us out to do. God has a calling on every single one of you. If you, even if you're not saved in this moment, you're like, you just showed up to church and you have not, you're not saved and you're like, God has a calling you to get saved. But God has a calling on every single one of us. He has a calling for us. And so often though, we, we are not competent. Why are we not competent? Because we allow fear to keep us from even trying. We have this fear that keeps us from trying. I mean, here's the thing is, is, we're definitely going to fail when we don't even try, aren't we? Fear can paralyze us. It can keep us from fulfilling that purpose. Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship created in Christ to do good works. God created you with good works in mind. God already knows the good works he has for you, every single one of you. Now, some of you have sat sitting here and you think, well, I have messed up too bad. I have made too many mistakes and God doesn't have anything good left for me. That's a lie and that's straight from the pits of hell. So I want to put it all together here. Confidence, he, has, he says, our confidence is of God. He's also, then the very next verse, began to talk about competence. So the sermon kind of is a play on words here a little bit, but confidence of competence. And the first thing that I want you to see is because, first because competence can be seen throughout his ministry. God blessed his ministry. The first thing, he, he did not hold back that they were competent. He knew they were competent because he could see what God was doing it. And I want you to hear me, every one of you has a ministry. Every single one of you has a ministry. It may not be a pastor. It may not be a Sunday school teacher. It may not be a women's or a men's minister. It may not be in a, but, but every one of you has a ministry. If you have a neighbor, you have a ministry. If you have a boss, you have a ministry. If you have employees, maybe you're the boss, you have a ministry. If you have a spouse, you've got a big ministry. The Bible says, for these people, they will have trouble. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You will have trouble. Barbara, said, Barbara knows I'm trouble. She only thought she had seven kids. She's got eight. Every one of you has a ministry. If you have children, you have ministry. If you're a kid and you got going to school and you're surrounded by... Every one of us is surrounded by people in all different walks of our life. If you're going to school, all those students around you, that's a ministry. You're going off to college, that's a ministry. Every one of you has a ministry. Every one of you. Spouses to one another, parents to their children. Children, you can minister to your parents, your neighbors, your co-workers, your bosses, your staff. Every part of life, you can be a minister to your waitress. 
you go to Pizza Hut, my wife, my, my, my daughter, not my wife, but my daughter works there at Pizza Hut. So just you can minister to her financially. And um, just is saying. So, so every one of us has a ministry. And here's the thing is, is that God, through our following and surrendering and submitting to him, he's the one who gives competence. He's the one who blesses our ministries. But I want you to know you all have a ministry. Second, because competence wasn't his. That's why he had so much confidence. He's like, I know this is going to work because it's God. You see, that's where confidence comes from. It's not me, it's God. So now I'm confident that I will be competent. Right? How amazing would it be is to have confidence in your competence in your marriage? Oh, well, I didn't get very many there. What if we said, God, I have confidence in my competence as a parent? God, I know, I know confidence comes from you, and I know that competence comes from you. So, God, help me. What do we do when we don't know what to do? We pray. We reach out to godly people that we trust in our lives to give us counsel and guidance. The very next verse, verse 6, he has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I love this. So as I told you that we all have, did I? I don't know what I did. Interesting. Okay. Don't move. Okay. So. A minister is one who serves God by meeting the needs of others. I already told you that every one of you has a ministry. That's what a minister does. You serve God by meeting the needs of others. That's ministry. So now do you guys understand that every one of you has a ministry? You're probably sitting next to them. Every one of us has a ministry. Every one of us then is a minister. You young people are ministers. Everyone is called to minister, to help people. Now, in the very next verse, still in verse 6, he says, ministers of what? A new covenant. The new covenant is described in all through the Bible. Every time the, new word, the word new covenant came up, it was always descriptive of Jesus on the cross, his blood paying for the forgiveness of our sins, to make forgiveness possible. So this new covenant was the way to heaven. This is what he did. So Jesus, by dying on the cross, gave us a new covenant. So he says, you are a minister of a new covenant. In other words, I am sharing the new covenant with my family, with my kids, with the neighbors, with my coworkers, with the waitress at Pizza Hut. All right, so how, and I love this, he says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. He has made us, so God made them. He made them competent in, as a minister of this new covenant. How do you measure the ministry of the Spirit? I love this. You know, if we're, 
if you're, if, if, how do you measure someone's competence? One of the things is as we, when, when we look for leaders or when I look for leaders to be, there's like the, the four C's <laughs> so that I can remember it. Character is the first one. Um, you can't minister beyond your character. So if, if our character, if, I'm, if I've got sin in my life and then I'm trying to help other people, I, I, I need to take care of the character first. Character, um, compatibility, do they play nice with others? You know how hard it is to find compatible people? It's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. Some, we get so territorial. It's like my poor tires. Every dog in the county comes and pees on all of those tires. I'm like, listen, hey, it's God's. You don't get to mark anything around here. <laughs> it's not yours. It's God's. So I look for compatibility, but I also look for competence. We've got to be able to do what, what it is that needs to be done. I could have good character, and I could be compatible and play nice with others, but if I don't know how to do what needs to be done, then I probably can't do that. How do you measure that? How do you measure competence with the Holy Spirit? And I'm glad you asked the question because it's so good. Transformation. How do you measure whether, whether your life is filled with the Holy Spirit, transformation. How do you measure what, if your ministry is filled with the Holy Spirit, transformation? I mean, it really comes down to this, this concept of if the Holy Spirit is in it, transformation happens. If the Holy Spirit is in this room today, transformation will take place. Transformed lives, homes, schools, communities. So I have a lot of verses left in a very short amount of time. I anticipated this. So I put a lot of verses on a page. So it looks like I'm going through it a lot faster. Second Corinthians. Now if the ministry that brought death which was engraved in letters on stone, he's talking about the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory as it was. So transitory means temporary, that it's, it's, it's here today and gone tomorrow. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more Glorious. I want you to take notes of how many times you see the word glory or glorious. If the ministry that brought condemnation, so the Ten Commandments, basically what happens with, with the Old Covenant was, was the law, and the law basically told you that you were sinning, right? If it brought condemnation, if that was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious, the Old Covenant, has no glory in comparison. It had glory, but it, when you compare the two, it's not comparable. In comparison with surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? So I, I came up with a nice little diagram for you. You're welcome. The old covenant and the new covenant and everything that both of them are talking about is glory. The old covenant was a ministry that brought death. It came with glory. Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? 
the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious will the ministry that brings righteousness? And for what was glorious, past tense, has no glory in comparison to the surpassing greatness of the ministry of the Spirit. If what was temporary had glory, how much greater is the glory that lasts? That's the ministry that we're a part of. We're a part of the new covenant. See, if we were still in the Old Testament life, we wouldn't be talking about the new covenant. We would be talking about the ministry of condemnation. We would be talking about the ministry that brings death. But we get to talk about life and hope and future. In verse 12, he says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. See, when someone has confidence, doesn't that lead to boldness? As, a, as an athlete, um, I remember back in high school, um, the more success that I had in wrestling or in football, um, what I found out is the more confidence I had, the more confidence I had, the more bold I was. Well, let's flip that. As the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and transforming us, we are gaining confidence from God. And then God is also giving to us competence all through the Holy Spirit. Should that not make us bold? Bold in our marriage, bold in our parenting, bold in our homes. Man, what I wouldn't do to have a whole bunch of godly, bold parents that aren't afraid to say no when it's wrong. Hey, that is not right. We're not doing it. Well, everyone else does it. I don't care. Man, we need some bold parents. We need some bold Husbands standing up and saying, we are going to do what God wants us to do. Me and my household, we're serving God. We need some bold wives saying, devil, you aren't coming after my kids. I'm putting my foot down. We need to have some bold people. If God is transforming your life, if he's making a move in your life, your confidence should be increasing as well as your competence. Why? Because they both come from God. They both come from God. God gives confidence. God gives competence. And that should be in your home and down the street and at your work. Last slide. Verse 12, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses. I love this. We're not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone, here, when everyone, anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now listen, now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom. 
The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What has this all been about? It's all coming back to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, we get so caught up in this outward ministry and, you know, we get so program-minded. And really what we need to be minded about is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The Holy Spirit doing a transformation. Now, see, I love this. So where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, is that inclusive? We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being what? How do you measure the ministry of the Spirit? Transformation. We, we all, who with unveiled faith, we're not trying to hide the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into His image. With ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. When I set out to talk about this chapter, the thing that I really wanted us to understand and the thing that I was hoping that we would start to understand is that if I have the Holy Spirit in my life and I'm giving the Holy Spirit free access to my life, like God, take over. God, I'm surrendering to you. The Holy Spirit begins to transform me. And that transformation in your life will be seen by your spouse, by your kids, by your coworkers, by your neighbors. They will see the change in you. That's the ministry. There's the greatest ministry. The greatest ministers are the ones who are under uh, ever-increasing transformation of God. That's what a minister, a minister should be somebody that you know spent time with God, has been changed by God. If a minister is not changing, get out. Don't waste another moment. That's for all of us. When God takes over, your life changes. How many of you can testify to that? Well, then give him some glory. Right? How many of you would continue to give God glory saying, God has changed and transformed my life? Right? Has he done that? Has he made some changes in your life? Do you know it's from him? Now let me ask you this. Are the people around you noticing it? Well, what? You guys were all excited like two seconds ago. You're trying, trying to stay. <laughs> Thank you, trying to stay humble. Man, that's why when we come into this place, like we're excited every single week. What is God going to do next? Because the Holy Spirit is transforming your life to ever-increasing glory. You are being transformed into His image. Isn't that amazing that the Holy Spirit would do that? We don't deserve that. And yet He's working in each one of us, and, and He's working on us, and He's showing us these things. So that's what I'm wanting you guys to see, is that as we look at this, every one of us has a ministry if there's people around you, you have a ministry. And this ministry is a ministry of the Spirit. And that can be seen in transformation.
Is your spouse under your leadership being transformed into the image of Christ? Are your children being transformed into the image of Christ? Is your neighbors being transformed? You're like, well, hey, how am I responsible for that? They're your neighbor. God placed you there. Do they even know that you're saved? Does your neighbor even know that Jesus exists to you? Because a lot of times what we do is this is the place we're excited about Jesus and then we put him in his little box, put him on the shelf, and we go home and we come back next Sunday and take him off the shelf. That's not being an ambassador, is it? God wants you to be his walking letter where people can see and read Christ all over you. And that's what I want to invite you to. I think so, so often we get caught up in, in ministry. Um, the worship team could start coming up. Um, we get so caught up in wanting to do a programmable ministry. And we forget that the greatest ministry is people seeing Christ in us. People seeing Christ in us. Not on Sunday, every day. Youth, you're getting ready to go into another year of school. Some of you are seniors now. Are you going to be a representative of Christ? Will people know by how you talk, how you dress, and how you act, that Christ is in you? Adults, you work. Do your co-workers and the people who work side by side and the people who work next to you, do they see Christ in you? Those of you who are retired, does your neighbors... What I'm wanting us to do is come back to that place and say, God, is there still a transformation taking place? And is this transformation a powerful transformation that other people see? Or is it so small that no one can take notice? So where does that transformation take place? It starts with a surrender. Maybe there's a piece of your life that you have withheld from God. Maybe there's some parts of your life that say, God, I, I go to church, but you, you don't have control over these other areas. Maybe there's some things in our life that we need to turn over to the Holy Spirit's control. So if you'd bow your head and you close your eyes, I, I want you to start there. Is there anything in your life that you have not given the Holy Spirit control of? Is there an area of your life that you say, God, I'll follow you in all areas, but not this one? Maybe there's an area of your life that you need to surrender. I encourage you to, to surrender it. I really want to make a challenge to our youth today. In two days, you go back to school. Will the students and your friends... Will they see 
God in you? Or will they see the world in you? You can't have both. Who will you represent? And who are you representing? A lot of us represent the world a lot more than we're representing God. And I'm asking you to make a change today. I'm asking you to make a change that from here on out, God, I'm representing you. I'm going to be an ambassador of your kingdom. God, I want you to take over my life so much to where everyone recognizes you in it. So that's my challenge. The altar is open.